Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening, and welcome to this week's Man on the Post Extra Time. Uh, my name is Chris, and with me I have got Emma. Hi. Back from your little sojourn to Wembley and to the darts. Yeah. And no Mark this week, but we have got from the United Rankcast, we've got Paul. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on, I'm glad you're on. We can talk a little bit about The Wire as well. Ah, awesome. I'm always happy to talk about The Wire. Yeah, well... I got a. I found a lookalike the other week. You'll never see Rule Fox and Omar Little in the same place. Interesting. I mean, the the classic wire lookalike is Ashley Young and Marlow, and it that's yeah, pretty much one to one. Chris Partlow and Wilfred Bonney as well. Oh, that is a really good shout. Mm. That is good. I only to Game of Thrones at the moment, but it's not quite Baltimore. Yeah, I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it. No. Fair no. You watch the wire yet, Emma? No. It's really no. good. It's really, really, really good. It is. It's the best. Like you said, Paul, it's the best thing you've ever seen on TV. Not set in Springfield. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> uh, right. This week we're talking about the Premier League. Uh, a couple of games that happened this week. Some champions around Europe. Bits and bobs news, and we'll be predicting the last week's Premier League fixtures. Uh, can anybody topple Emma from a, a pedestal at the moment? Uh, first of all, a very odd thing happened to me this week. I had a dream about a footballer. What was the dream, Chris? Uh, I had a dream. I was walking sort of on a footpath next to a pond, and there were some reeds next to the pond, and it was sort of a nice, warm, sunny day. And out of the reeds came Fabrizio Ravinelli, dressed in a Middlesbrough <laughs> mid-90s kit. And he, want, he had a look on him that he wanted to talk. So I asked him what was wrong, and he started dishing the dirt on everything that happened to him in Bastia. That's amazing. That's brilliant. Do you remember any of the content? No, no. That, I, I was more surprised by the fact he was he's wearing his Middlesbrough shirt, because I always thought it sort of went sour from there. Yeah. But There's it was no, great. No answering for the human unconscious, is there? No, so, I did. I, go on, go on. As I was just going to say, you, you mentioned that on Twitter and asked if uh, any of us had ever dreamt about a footballer. And about three or four weeks ago, I dreamt that I was in the Aston Villa squad on loan from Man United, which basically means I dreamt I was Tom Cleverley, which I feel is a bit of a disappointingly low aspiration when it comes to <laughs> a football related dream. But Tim Sherwood didn't pick me for the cup final. And I was absolutely relieved because in this dream, I had my same level of football talent, which is absolutely none. But uh, the lads want, I was disappointed because I wasn't on the bench and the lads wanted me around to cheer them up. Did you uh, still get a medal? Uh, I don't remember. I don't think I did. No. Dreams are a funny old thing. Emma, have you had a dream about a footballer? not particularly a footballer I woke up leading up to the conference playoff final I did wake up a few times in the middle of the night really panicking about what the outcome was going to be but I think that's quite normal did you yeah 
I wake up panicking about a lot of things these days and that just sort of took over for the two weeks that we knew we were in it before it was played. Oh. Well, we'll talk about playoffs later on and you can talk about your trip to Wembley. Um, first of all, Monday night, some Premier League football, West Brom 3, Chelsea 2. Uh, rather unremarkable two? game. Did you say two? Did I say two? Sorry. Yeah. No, I was looking at Berahino times two on my notes. So that must have shown you scored two goals. Sorry. <laughs> it's West Brom 3, Chelsea 0. Um, yeah, Berahino 2. And then Chris Brunt. All four managers that have beaten Chelsea this season in England have begun with a P. Pulis, Pochettino, Parkinson, Pardew. There that's, you go. That's now you've a... got to do to beat him. Yeah. <laughs> Louis, Louis Van Paal. Paal. Could sure be. it works. Now, who did Jose Mourinho blame for Chelsea's loss? Uh, he blamed it on uh, Arsenal and United and City for being rubbish. He which did. Which is just such a brilliant line. Of all the brilliant Mourinho lines, that's a pretty special one. That was good. That was deflecting uh, away, blame away from his players brilliantly. It was. On to the manager of the other teams in the top four <laughs> who were simply not fit to lace Mourinho's boots this season, according to Mourinho. No, well, of course, the best coach in the league is John Carver, according to John Carver. <laughs> uh, but you've, we've talked about a lot of things in this game so far, Chris, but we haven't mentioned the only thing that anyone will ever remember about this game yet. Cesc Fabregas' face mask. <laughs> you were so close. The first two words were right. <laughs> uh, so when you said uh, West Brom 3, Chelsea 2, in a way, Chelsea should have been given two goals rather than a red card for Sesk's amazing ping. Because the, the, immediately, the first thing I thought of was Yusuf Malumbu, who walloped the ball at Gary O'Neill. And of course, that was a West Brom thing as well, wasn't it? And he got a red card. Well, uh, Ashley Williams nearly killed Robin Van Persie. He did, didn't he? He did. He did. What a murdering swine he could have been. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, did both of you think that was a, a overreaction on the red card? Jump in, then. Well, I haven't seen it, but I have seen it. It has been reduced to one game, hasn't it? Yeah. So, the powers that be, obviously, didn't quite agree with it. It, it just looked bananas to me to give a red for that. The I mean, Cesc Fabregas is a very good footballer, but I don't think he's going to deliberately ping a ball 15 yards at someone's head uh, in an act of malice on a football pitch. It seems I think it would have been harsh to book him for it, to be honest. But this is evil Cesc. He was nice Cesc when he was in Barcelona and, Ch- and Arsenal. Now is it Chelsea. He's evil Cesc. Yeah, that's true. It's like he's got the mask on and his real identity is hidden. <laughs> Has <laughs> he got a sword and swiping a big sort of Z shape? This is why it's been reduced to uh, one match ban. He took off the mask. It was like, it's, guys, it's me, Cesc. I'm not some sort of masked bandolero. <laughs> um, so you sort of think a booking maybe would have been more suitable? I think a booking would have been harsh. Really? I think he was knocking the ball back to where... I mean, did he do it in anger? I don't know. No, you see, why didn't he kick it on the floor if he was doing that? To avoid hitting somebody on the head. <laughs> Maybe he should have done. Maybe a booking would have been fair. I don't know. Yeah. It would have Maybe. been fun to see if he'd hit the ref. He was close. Like, he wasn't far away from the ref, was it? No. And, of course, your um, your man, Darren Fletcher, could easily got sent off himself. No. They're not allowed to send off Darren Fletcher. He's got a special dispensation for being a hero. Has he? <laughs> How is he a hero? How is Darren Fletcher a hero? 
Mm. He's a man possessing superhuman courage, is Darren Fletcher. Uh, he came through. Oh, you're, in... right. you're talking his illness rather than anything he's done on the pitch. Uh, no, well, no, actually. I mean, that's that's part of what it is. But um, Darren Fletcher, uh, people who don't support United might not realise this, but he was absolutely pilloried as he came through the ranks. United have got a, a well-deserved reputation for bringing young players through. But in the last sort of half a generation, the sort of post-Class of 92 era, uh, a lot of the young players that have come through have got a lot of stick uh, from United fans and uh, Fletcher was among them I mean he was despised basically by a, a large section of United support who thought he'd never be good enough and all that sort of thing and he never gave up he never let it get to him just kept going and kept going and eventually became you know genuinely one of our most important midfielders and I think it was 2009 when he was suspended from the Champions League final it might have been 2011 but I think it was 2009 um, and it was just a huge blow to be without Fletcher and that that felt like a, a real big change. And that, that was this kind of massive mental strength. And then to get ulcerative colitis, which is an absolutely horrible illness, you know, it can be really debilitating. And to battle through it, to come back to play professional football at any level is really remarkable. So, yeah, you're not allowed to send off Darren Fletcher is the long and the short of it. No? Oh, OK. Well, we should have to write to I can't remember who the ref was. Maybe Clattenburg or somebody can tell him. Um, Arsenal nil Sunday nil yesterday. Uh, Dick Cavalcourt was in tears at the end. You saw this, didn't you, Emma? Yeah. What do you reckon? Um, it wasn't. It was an exciting game. For it was quite end to end at times, and it did seem that as dominant as Arsenal were, Sunderland would come and sort of have a go themselves. So it never looked. It never really looked like Arsenal were going to score. To be honest, I didn't think they had so they had chances, and it just went hits up every time. Well, what they showed Giroud on Giroud was not happy with himself. Who? Giroud. Oh, with himself. Yeah, he just he just doesn't. He just looks so grumpy the whole night. <laughs> he he was... tried spraying himself and like in the advert. <laughs> no, he was pretty bad against us on the weekend. Um, he he looked really. He just looked really off the pace and short of confidence. He was marshalled out of the game for the most part by United's defence. He looks like a player that does blow hot and cold, doesn't he? Definitely, yeah. Um, watching the highlights on Sky Sports this morning, or uh, Sky News this morning, it looked like a, a real backs to the wall job by Sunderland. Pantillamon was some kind of wall and or rock. Um, someone deflected the ball onto his own post, didn't he? I can't remember who that was. And there just seemed to be lots and lots of last-ditch tackles. Yeah, definitely. And I think the Sunderland defence deserve a lot of credit because they were. They were all pillars. They all kind of, I guess, stood up and be counted when it mattered. Mm. Last-ditch defending, where does that stand in your ranking of what's great in football? Oh, it's just glorious. Uh, one of the world's finest examples of last-ditch defending in the entire history of the sport happened at Old Trafford on Sunday when Phil Jones used oh, his yes. head to tackle Giroud. Yeah, be, he didn't tear his arse open like Javi Mascarano, did he? Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> he used his other end. He did, he used his head. He quite literally did a sliding tackle with his head. Have you seen this, Emma? No. Oh, it's glorious. So he he's running for the ball with Giroud, uh, who would be free on goal, 
and he sort of stumbles. And as he's going down, he goes down in what Ron Atkinson used to call installments. So he kind of falls and he's crawling, using his hands. It looks like he's kind of doing front crawl and eventually realizes he quite literally only has one option and does a floor level diving header at the ball, knocks it into Giroud and out for a goal kick. Quite the most exceptional piece of last ditch defending I've ever seen. Like a spaniel on soapy floor. Yeah, Ian McIntosh said that. He said, you can, can laugh at him all you want, but that's what determination and will looks like. It's also what a spaniel on a marble floor looks like. <laughs> um, right, so we Sunderland are now safe. I watching Newcastle, they sang at the end. Um, we'll probably go into a bit more detail later on, but it's obviously now between Hull and Newcastle. Uh, and you're like, oh, Steve Bruce, a big favour, Paul. Uh, yeah, he said the other week, maybe they'll uh, do me a favour, given that I gave them my ankles, my knees, my back. Uh, he didn't mention his face, but as we said on our podcast, he also gave that in our calls. And mm. I really hope we just, given that we... I mean, the problem is Arsenal are not absolutely guaranteed third place. I think that it's a very long shot that United will end up in third. But if there was absolutely nothing to play for, I, I would just advocate playing the youth team and let Brucey stay up and send Newcastle down. I think most of the country would agree with you on that one. I don't think other than Newcastle fans, can anybody think of anybody who would like to see Newcastle stay up? The thing is, I, I don't have any actual problem with Newcastle, uh, the club or their fans, or you know, they were they were a great fun enemy to have in the late nineties, you know, because they were so gung ho and and sort of comically disastrous. But it's Mike Ashley, isn't it? It's just such an unpleasant model. And he sort of deserves relegation because he basically banked on the fact that absolute mediocrity would be enough to keep them in the Premier League. And they didn't even really need a manager. They could just have a sort of enthusiastic cheerleader and replace Pardew with that. But so I think on the basis of of, we don't want people like that in football and we certainly don't want them to be a a success when they are in football. uh, I think that's the basis that I'd like to see Newcastle go down. Yeah, what about you, Emma? Who do you actually go down? Um, well, I thought it was going to be Sunderland until last night. <laughs> um, I don't think... I guess, yeah, I do agree with what Paul's saying about Newcastle. And just for the... I quite like Hull. But then you can argue that they're the same with their manager, with their owner and the name change and things. It's a bit different, though, because at least there's a, there's some aspiration of footballing success there. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's a particularly great thing either, obviously. Like, you can see why the fans were so unhappy about that. Um, but at least he's, he wants them to be in the Premier League and winning football matches. And Mike Ashley, it would seem, is just using them as a vehicle to generate enough money to try and buy Rangers. And I think Hull have um, produced more exciting Premier League moments in their time than Newcastle have in this spell. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce. <laughs> you like Steve Bruce, Emma? Yeah, he's not bad. He seems a good guy, doesn't he? <laughs> um, what else have we got? Some championships have been wrapped up in and around the place of Europe. Um, Barcelona are champions of Spain, again. Um, I think they still got the Copa del Rey to come. Uh, yeah, they've got, they're they're shooting for the whole thing. They are, uh, aren't they? 
Copa del Rey and then the Champions League. And what an incredible turnaround from, you know, in the January transfer window, there were genuinely rumours linking Messi with a move to United. <laughs> Never seemed particularly likely, but, <laughs> you know, the the situation between Messi and Enrique had apparently just reached breaking point and they looked like they were falling apart of the seams. And their second half of the season has been genuinely extraordinary. They realised they were sort of in this mess together. They have to get out of it together. Absolutely. And I kind of think it's also kind of interesting that Real have not done particularly well at dealing with the pressure of that. Because, you know, in, in December, it looked like it was all over, didn't it? And like Barcelona had already dropped so many points. You thought that Real would just walk the walk the league this season. But Ronaldo went slightly off the boil for a bit. And obviously Bale's having a pretty dodgy time. And they, they just didn't cope well at all. And that front three of Barcelona, when they when they switched it round and switched Messi to the right, um, everything sort of clicked into place and they look really properly brilliant again, Barcelona, don't they? Almost makes you like Suarez. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> uh, I'm, Peter- I'm certainly rooting for Patrice Evra's Juventus <laughs> FC in the Champions League final. Oh, who wouldn't want a team with Chiellini, uh, Buffon and Pirlo to win the Champions, Champions League? Only bad people and Barcelona right, yeah. fans. Exactly. Uh, Zenit of Petersburg, they're Russian Premier League champions, although former player Boris Chukloff claims that Andre Villas-Boas is quote-unquote anti-football. Um, I, can't, Emma, you, I can't remember, did you really like AVB or did you dislike him? I seem to remember you had an opinion of some sorts on him. Uh, I don't know, maybe I've mellowed, I don't know. He just, he was irritating, but mm. not. One of the most irritating men. That's still Tim Sherwood. <laughs> that is the, definitely the correct answer, isn't it? <laughs> the thing Pardew. that irritated Pardew? me Pardew? is... Pardew's um, got me up there, hasn't he? We don't like him on this Thursday show, but the Sunday show guys like him, don't they? Okay. It was his croaky voice. ABV had a very croaky voice when he talked. That put me off. The thing is, though, he does look quite a lot like a fox, and that sort of slightly endeared him to me, I have to say. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's the same thing Ed Miliband had with his sort of nasally voice. If you know you've got to listen to these people quite a lot, then what they sound like does make a difference. But there's a sort of disconnect, right? Because AVB is supposed to be like this young, exciting, upcoming manager. But with that gruff voice, he really sounded like he'd been in the trenches for years. So there was a, there was a disconnect there. And yeah. the thing that I always think about, this is obviously like the thing that lots of people think about, is what that man's calves must have gone through in his career so far. Because <laughs> he's, I don't know if he still does this. I must confess, I don't watch a lot of Russian football. Uh, but that squat looked brutal. Mm. Him and Bielsa. Now, I think it's calves. Now, there's a manager. There could be a future West Ham manager. That would be beautiful. Would it? I would want him at any club in the Premier League apart from the one I support. <laughs> Although we we've got sort of the the slightly more established and successful version of Bielsa in in our current insane manager, yeah, yeah. Um, ex Liverpool poach Paco Ayastaran uh, has led Maccabi Tel Aviv to the treble, which is of no importance at all. Just for the fact that I quite liked him when he was at Liverpool, so I thought I'd put it in. Well done to him. Well done to him. Uh, a bit of a guessing game for you two now. Um, PSG 
have won League One, and have ever taken Manchester City as the best paid sportsmen. Uh, so it's not just football, but sportsmen in the world. Anyone want to hazard a guess as the average weekly wage of a PSG player? Yeah, it's like a hundred and twenty odd, isn't it? Emma? Oh, I wouldn't even know where to start. 140. 101. Ah. 101,000 pounds, 898 pounds. It's a lot um, of money. We're, we're somewhere in the top 10, aren't we, I noticed? You are sixth. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you've got to bear in mind there's a 75% tax rate on that. Right, okay. Fair so enough. they're down to something like 25,000 a week after tax. Which is why they don't. Yeah. <laughs> which is why they don't like Monaco playing in the same league as them. Yeah. Makes um, sense. If there's 10 teams in the top, eight of them are football teams. Uh, two are baseball teams, which is the Dodgers and the Yankees. I think that's not that surprising, is it? I think that's what you'd instinctively think. Because those, those NFL squads are so massive, that must spread out and lower the average wage a bit. And there's lots of wage caps in American sports, aren't there? So No NBA teams? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I wonder, again, if that's a question of squad size and wage caps and stuff. I find it hard to because Arsenal are tenth on seventy-seven thousand. I find it hard to believe that LeBron James is below that. But it's not about what LeBron James's wages is. Well, it? no, it's the you're average right. wage across the squad, isn't it? And yeah, there's probably a work experience boy there that brings it down. Um, Emmett, you were a Portsmouth fan. Do you think this bubble is going to keep going? Uh, for the foreseeable future, yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I think it's gone past the point of bringing in any caps and things in England, so they have to let it ride the wave now, don't they? I suppose they do, yeah. Don't they? They, um, UEFA, have, UEFA have just eased the FFP rules as well, so, I mean, that's not exactly going to add deflationary pr- pressure on wages, is it? I mean, you look at that, TV deals going up and up and up, the demand's showing absolutely no signs of slowing down, Football teams are becoming ever more commercially aware and market um, milking their kind of marketing value for every penny that it's worth. So the amount of money going into football isn't slowing down, uh, and on that at the top level, obviously that is. Um, so those those top level wages are going to keep going up, and the gap in equality will grow and grow and grow, and much like society. You ever wish you tried harder at PE about thirty years ago? No, because money doesn't buy happiness, Chris. We all know that. It doesn't buy happiness, no. But it buys me a bigger TV. That's true. (laughs) But then if you have a bigger TV, you do less exercise, get worse at football. It's a vicious cycle. Oh, it is. But if it takes... If you're on 300 grand a week and it takes a year to get worse and worse, then what have you made in that year? (laughs) (laughs) It's a good question. Uh, Benfica won back-to-back titles. They're 34th. Uh, Juventus won the Coppa Italia this week. Did anybody see Chiellini's goal in this? No. Oh, it was Latanesque. Um, they came from behind. They beat Lazio 2-1. Uh, the ball sort of came to him about six yards out from behind, and he sort of leant forward and stuck his back heel out, and it, he heeled it into the net, a la Zlatan. Lovely. That's one of my all-time favourite goals, that Euro 2006 goal. It wasn't Euro 2006. <laughs> um, where was it? That, was it 2004? Yeah, Euro 2004 when Zlatan did the flying back heel. No, no, he was better than that um, by his own teammate. That diving header from Larson. 
the Lundberg cross, about 12 yards out, he leaps till he's about four feet in the air, parallels the ground and heads it into the top corner. I've just seen the Chiellini goal. That is absolutely remarkable. Have he's you a seen defender. Him? Yes, yes. That's, that's the other thing. He's a defender and he shouldn't be expected to do that. No. Have a Google, Emma. It's very good. He might get in your Portsmouth team. <laughs> um, the other thing as well, I don't like Zlatan as a person. Oh. Why is that? Um, I read his book and my opinion of him worsened. And I know the whole thing. Yeah, it's not supposed to happen, is it? No, mine, I went the <laughs> other way on him. And I found him to be... He's like, you know, one of the sort of charming, massive, raging narcissists of the world, rather than the unpleasant, massive, raging narcissists. I just like the fact that he gets everyone that he plays for to sign Maxwell. I think that was <laughs> just like a really endearing thing. It's like, yeah, I'm coming, but you're bringing my friend the right back. <laughs> no, I get the feeling he's a horrible bully if you're on the wrong side of him. And I think you've seen a little bit of that with Cavani this year. Yeah, you might be right about that. Um, well, of course, they're on for their trouble as well, aren't they? And the 30th anniversary of Heysel. Uh, it's pretty incredible that uh, the, either Barca or Juve are going to end up with a treble. I suppose it's not hugely surprising that Juventus are dominating uh, domestic football. But I do think the fact that they've got to the Champions League final sort of... It's got to be good for Serie A, right? Because mm. Juventus are like a proper side. They haven't exactly... When we got to the Champions League final in 2011, that is one of the least deserved Champions League finalist places ever. We beat Schalke in the semi-final. Darren Gibson and Anderson bossed our midfield in that game. That was the level <laughs> we had to get to. Um, but Juventus have beaten some proper teams. And to beat Real in that semi-final over two legs is... Pretty remarkable achievement. And, and they are, they're just such a good side. It's going to be really interesting to see how much of that side they can keep together over the summer because there'll be transfer rumours with so many of their players and apparently Tevez going back to Argentina. Obviously, it seems ever more likely that Pogba's going to go to someone that can pay him three times as much as Juventus can. Um, be interesting to see what happens to the sort of core of that team. It could, I, I don't think he should go back to you. I think he should... Give you two fingers in the way you gave him two fingers. You're joking, aren't you? No. <laughs> we didn't give him two fingers at all. That's Did like, you know, I think no, I remember Fergie. I, maybe I'm getting it confused. That all happened around the same time as... Um, the, 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 what was the guy named? The, the one that went to West Ham in the end. Ravel Morrison. That all happened around the same... I thought that it was all around the same time as that. And I thought that... Fergie thought he was equally as greedy. No, um, the the way it went down, uh, Ravel is a very different story. So there's an incredibly talented youth team that came through together and won the FA Youth Cup, which is a big deal at United because the class of 92 won it and all that sort of stuff. So it's, I've got this kind of iconic quality at United. And there's this midfield trio of Tunnicliffe, Ryan Tunnicliffe, uh, Ravel Morrison and Paul Pogba, which was the best midfield trio in youth football by, by miles um and Ravel was just unbelievably classy but uh, really difficult to manage and Fergie stuck with Ravel the stories from in the club say that Fergie stuck with Ravel way longer than the youth coaches were prepared to and just kind of gave him every possible chance and just couldn't get his head right um but Pogba wasn't at the level yet where he was ready to play in the first team but 
felt that it was kind of beneath him to play in the youth team by that point. And so it was a really difficult balance. And then he was asking for fortune on top of that. And Juventus basically said, we'll put you straight in the first team. And that was what swung it. Um, but we'd have United would love to have kept Pogba. Um, they just weren't able to, that Fergie wasn't prepared to kind of say, yeah, I'm definitely going to play you week in, week out sort of thing, which he did, he did go to Syria and play every week straight away and very quickly became very good. Um, and and I think that was a pretty serious mistake on Fergie's part. But all the youth team watchers kind of point out that his his attitude really went bad um, in that last in that last phase at United because he wasn't getting into the first team, and you know it's not going to sit well with Fergie that sort of thing. No, indeed not. Um, Xavi has left Barcelona and he's gone to Qatar to play um, for Al Sadd, and he will be playing with Emma. I don't know. Portsmouth legend. You're going to have to narrow it down. I am, aren't I? There's, yeah, there's, there's so many, isn't there? Uh, he wore number 39 for you, I think. 39? I think he did. I might have said something wrong. There's not really been many legends since I've been watching Portsmouth. Algerian, I think. Or North African, definitely. This is quite... It'll be about Belhaj. Ta-da! That's not one described him as a legend. You've not had many lately. Generous. Is it? Yeah. What should I describe him as? Foreign mercenary. (laughs) (laughs) One of the many, many players that have graced us with their presence in the last however many years. He was all right. He was good, but I think legend's a bit strong. Well, you see, if I described it as a foreign mercenary, that would have that wouldn't have narrowed it down whatsoever. No. MUTV called Quinton Fortune a Manchester United legend on a regular basis. It's a word that gets thrown around lightly. It's fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> Quinton, did he end up playing for you in the end, Quinton Fortune? Emma. We- N- me. Not you. Did he no. play for Portsmouth in the end? No. No. <laughs> no. I'm thinking of somebody else then. Jemba uh, Jemba, did he play for Portsmouth? Who? Eric Jemba Jemba, did he end up playing at Portsmouth? I can't Not believe I, I can't believe this conversation has gone from Xavi to Eric Jemba Jemba in so few <laughs> steps. Uh, it's a bit odd that Xavi's going to play in Qatar, don't you think? It's like you think he, in the MLS. I mean, I don't know really. It's just given. I'm sure Xavi's done all right. You know, we're talking about footballers and money. I'm sure Xavi's not suffered uh, on that front. Um, but it, it just seemed like a bit of an odd, an odd decision to go somewhere where it is just a big financial thing. Um, but what a player. I was just watching some videos of him and it, it was making me think, like, imagine if you were a Barcelona fan, how much you would love Xavi Hernandez. And the closest for for me would be Paul Scholes in terms of affection. And, of course, Xavi will tell you how much he loves Paul Scholes at the drop of a hat, as everyone knows. Um, But just what an incredible player. And to have a player like that from the youth academy onwards, it's it's quite remarkable. He was a beautiful player. Yeah, um, that um, Xavi Paul Scholes quote uh, didn't get banded around enough, did it, when Scholes retired? Hey, I mean... hey, listen, <laughs> you, you can't read too many things. Like when they asked Zinedine Zidane what it was like to play with the best midfielder in the world and he said, I don't know, 
something, something. You'll have to ask someone who plays with Paul's goals or something. Oh, he's only saying that. Yeah, probably. He doesn't mean it. This is the man that played with um, with Pavel Nedved for long enough. He was good. He wasn't Paul Skulls good, though, was he? Let's face it. Yeah, but Paul Skulls didn't look like Kurt Cobain, did he? No, that's true. Um, but he was obviously the Xavi Hernandez of uh, his generation in England. Yeah. Are you a Xavi fan, Emma? Yeah. Don't have anything against him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a well-wisher. Well, I wish him no specific harm. <laughs> he sounds like he got some kind of... Per- Has he got anything against you? Not personally. No? You've not upset him? <laughs> uh, what else have we got? We've got Leeds. Leeds have appointed Juve Rosler. Um, sadly, not with Georgia King, Cladzi and Ike Immel as his uh, backup team. Um, on a two-year deal after Chilino called, uh, Master Chilino called Neil Redfern weak and a baby, quote-unquote. It's a bit mean, isn't it? It seems he's saving from relegation. Leeds, in general, just confuse me. And I tend to, no offence to Leeds fans, sort of glide over their stuff now. I guess it's what people were like with Portsmouth when we were going through all our troubles, that it just gets so confusing of what is happening and just like a big merry-go-round that you just kind of switch off. People get just so punch drunk with it. Yeah, you just, I just, it goes over my head now when Leeds gets mentioned. I can understand that, exactly how you feel. Um, We spoke to Colin before we came on. Colin is a Leeds fan uh, on the Sunday show. His two quotes I wrote down for him as he was talking uh, about the appointment of Rosler were mayor and 10 years of shite. Um, Which kind of sum it up. He's the fifth coach in just over a year, isn't he? It's just really sad. I, I, I've been thinking about the Glazers a lot lately because they, it was the 10 year anniversary of their takeover um, a few years ago. And obviously, like, Em, you're a Portsmouth fan. We were chatting with Colin, who's a Leeds fan, just before the recording started. And it's just awful when things completely out of your control come along and derail your football team. Like, it's, you know, Leeds, Leeds are big rivals of United and lots of very bad blood between the two sets of supporters, um, some for pretty good reason. But it's just horrible that they can just be asset stripped and banded about. And now they've got somebody who's passed the fit and proper person's test in what can only be described as a baffling fashion. Um, and he's just sacking managers left, right and centre. It's, it's awful. And, and you can't see any success coming out of this in the long run, can you? No, it's horrible to see, isn't it? I mean, but like you say, I mean, you do, you just get a little bit, um, you just get a little bit punched drunk with it all, don't you? Definitely. Yeah. Um, Emma, when did you win the FA Cup? 2008. 2008. Uh, so since 2008, you've been relegated down to League Two and almost beyond. Since 2008, Manchester United have been in the Champions League final three times. Do you feel Paul's pain with regards to owners? I don't... I mean, yeah, you could... No, I mean, I don't think that any... It doesn't matter the size of the football club. No, you know, no fan deserves to get treated the way they did, and arguably more so. Fans who play, who pay a grand plus for their season tickets and, you know, upwards of £60, £70 pounds for a ticket for the game and God knows what else... You know, that, that's a lot of money to spend on a team that could potentially be completely 
as Paul said, derailed by something that's out of their control. The the fact that United got to Champions League finals is completely and utterly. Uh, so, I mean, United have got very lucky that their that the Glazers gamble has essentially paid off for the Glazers. I have to say, not for United because we Fergie existed, and so he was able to navigate the waters better than any other manager probably ever could have done because he is just the greatest at doing that and getting the most out of limited resources. And you've seen what happened to the squad as soon as he wasn't in it anymore. He wasn't in the picture anymore. The whole thing completely crumbled. Now, fortunately for United fans, by the time everything had crumbled, the debt had got to a manageable level. And the TV deal uh, meant that the the kind of 350, 400 million pound debt that's still uh, left around on United's books isn't actually particularly problematic within terms of their revenues and stuff. But a bunch of carpetbaggers came along and extracted a billion pounds out of the club over the course of 10 years. And yeah, there's been lots of success on the pitch and that's wonderful and we all love that. But the soul of the club was completely ripped out. United are registered in the Cayman Islands now. This is a team that emerged from a railway workers working man's club. You know, it's it's a far cry from that. Um, so yeah, there, there were Champions League finals, and it the the worst case scenario doesn't ha- didn't happen, and United fans will count their blessings for that. But it, it's uh, it doesn't mean that the ownership wasn't totally scandalous, you know. I'm glad you said that because when teams or fans often complain about how much money they got to pay um, when they visit opposing grounds, more often than not, the tribal nature of English football, other fans say, "Well, yeah, what about you?" or that's okay because you're Liverpool fans or whatever. So it is good that there is some kind of solidarity there. Yeah, and it, like football, it's ridiculous how tribal football is because way more sep- way more unites football fans than divides them. The people on the other side of the terraces are just you in a different shirt, you know. Mm. There should be more Liverpool fans listening to the Rankcast. <laughs> we appreciate all of you, Chris. It's, uh, the, the three Liverpool fans that I know about that listen to the Rankcast are an amazing breed, as far as I'm concerned. They've been very thick-skinned these last couple of weeks with Gerard as well. <laughs> I think we've gone pretty easy on him, really. Um, well, I definitely have. I can't speak for my co-host. <laughs> the one if he said I didn't listen to was after you played at Anfield this season. I thought I'm not listening to that. One. <laughs> <laughs> that was a sensible decision. There was more than a little gloating. <laughs> Uh, just imagine it being an hour of you both cackling. <laughs> that's no <decent>. words. <laughs> and just like crying salt tears of joy about one matter. That's essentially <laughs> what it was. Um, I, I'm sorry, now I've banged, about, banged on about United loads, but can I talk about a couple of United-related things that have happened in the past couple of days? Yeah, I will be can. quick. No, uh, it, was, it was the United end-of-season awards, uh, and, and this neatly segues because, of course, one matter's stunning flying volley against who was that again that was against liverpool right at anfield as far where's as i remember it this, where's this mute button <laughs> um that one goal of the season i i think there is an argument to say that dimaria's scooped uh lob against leicester is kind of technically a slightly superior goal but who cares about that that was in a loss to leicester and the matter goal was in a win at liverpool uh, something united don't do very often and when they do it's not normally by playing well and scoring staggering <laughs> flying volleys 
but the real story out of that day was Louis van Gaal's incredible speech, the most ridiculous, beautiful, surreal, Dadaist, drunken possession stats fueled rampage any manager's ever been on. I if bet. You... I bet it's not the most. I bet it's not the best speech a manager has made this week. Oh really? Who's who's better at that? Emma, what's the name of the Bristol Ravens manager? <laughs> have you have you been following my complete spamming of people's timelines? <laughs> have you, um, you did the video, didn't you? Yeah, he he really, he he did get rather trolleyed, which for the before? second time he also got quite trolleyed after the playoff semi-finals as well. Have you seen his speech, Paul? With about where oh, sorry. The group- Oh, so I was just going to say to Paul, has he, meant, has he seen the, the video of the speech where he talks about the Grimsby Evening Telegraph? Uh, no, but I'm excited to watch that just after uh, just after um, <laughs> we finish this. The, That's um, what I'm going to do. Yeah, now. there was a bit of bad. There was a bit of bad blood between him and the Grimsby Telegraph about um, after the um, playoff semi-finals. He got a bit drunk again and said. Um, you know, we started singing We're Going Up and the Grimsby Telegraph sort of, you know, that's really disrespectful, all of this kind of thing. So he sort of just had a bit of a dig back. <laughs> and now there are T-shirts being printed with his quotes on them. And you can print that, I think, that is what he finished. <laughs> that, that, that Sorry, is, I interrupted yes. you. Sorry. That is good, but I posit as a counter-argument that after kind of like rallying the troops uh, and saying how he thought United were quite close to some degree of success in the future, which was not always nice to hear, um, he went off the stage. It looked like they were going to wrap up for the evening. Hayley McQueen and Jim Rosenthal presenting the United Awards. And then Van Gaal grabs the mic, comes back on stage, says, excuse me. And then some people are talking in the crowd. He goes, hello, hello, listen to your manager. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, you are the best fans of the world. This is I can't do the accent. I feel like you, he's in the room with us. <laughs> You're the best fans in the world, but I'm a bit disappointed in you. Ryan Giggs pointed this out to me. At this point, we're all thinking, why is he disappointed in us? What have we done? What does Ryan Giggs think we've done? He goes, tonight we saw a fantastic lady saxophonist, and I want you all to give her big applause. That was it. That was the end of the show. Ryan Giggs apparently told Louis van Gaal to go back on stage to thank the lady saxophonist. That must have been some sort of bet. That's very kind of him. Or maybe she was just a fantastic saxophonist. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. (laughs) Sorry, I interrupted you then with your your little bit. Um, Yeah, but van Gaal didn't finish his speech with, and you can print that or quote me on that, which is what the Bristol Rovers... Um, His exact words were, print that bastard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that is good that is good I'm, I'm still gonna go with give big applause to the saxophonist as my line of the week though or maybe you can have a t-shirt on the front is <laughs> the saxophonist quote and on the back is your bristol rovers quote this is a re- that is a remarkable week in the history of managers giving speeches isn't it both of those things happening on the same week it's pretty good and um, what was your and- thing you're gonna say sorry and Mourinho blaming uh, the teams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically saying Arsenal are rubbish. That's why we lost to West Brom. <laughs> um, uh, no, that was, that's me done. I just wanted to mention, uh, if I mentioned um, Juan Mata, he's got goal of the season at the Manchester United Awards for a goal he scored at Anfield against Liverpool. Oh, is that like when Rudy won for the overhead kick and he shinned it? 
I'll accept that. You know that you know that a banter against Wayne Rooney just makes you more on my side, right? (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag Rooney out. Have you listened ever listened to the rank cast, Emma? No, I haven't. You'll never see you'll never hear two people who dislike Wayne Rooney more. (laughs) I sort of quite like him as a person. Um based on his sort of two thousand eleven tweets, really. That's the that's my love of Wayne Rooney. I think he's a complex and interesting man. Um, but, yeah, uh, I just don't think he's very good. That's my key problem with him. <laughs> You'd have him at your place, wouldn't you? Mm. See? Yeah. See? That's the level, that's the level <laughs> of Rooney. Would you have him at Liverpool? Uh, no, we've got Danny Sturridge. Oh, OK. <laughs> and Ricky Lambert. <laughs> Have you uh, have you talked about the Gerard stuff on on one of your podcasts, Chris? Well, we did last week. We talked about it a little bit last week, um, and we were going to have this Sunday show this week. We were going to talk about it. The Sunday guys did a Stephen Gerrard quiz. Actually, thinking about it, what I want to know is, did you well up? Was it was it that sort of moment for you? No. Do you know what I I cringed pretty much really because it was it was like. It was like the Queen had died or something like that. I half expected Stephen Gerrard to be sort of waving as he walked into Dignitas or something the next day. It was awful. Um... <laughs> now, is that the is that what the fans did or the media response? Because I think those two are slightly separate for me. Because I, I feel like you know doing the Guard of Honor and and the the, the big um, uh, mosaic um, in the crowd at Liverpool. That sort of feels pretty appropriate for a player of that stature at a club. Yeah. Um, and and certainly, like, I would have had no objections to something like that for Giggs or, or Skulls, although both of them sort of ducked out pretty uh, under the radar, one of them by retiring on the same day as Fergie, um, and the other by, you know, knifing the manager in the back and taking his <laughs> job. <laughs> um, um, That's very well done of him. Uh, yeah. Uh, but as I, I thought that was sort of appropriate. But the the media stuff, like I don't know, he's been very good for quite a long time, Gerard. And at one point he was really, 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 really good. But I'm not sh- quite sure he was worthy of that response. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the um, the, the guard of honour and what the fans did, I thought was very nice. Uh, but the way people have been talking in the weeks and months beforehand, it was um, it's like sort of Pele retired or something. The two best things I saw were. Jermaine Janus on Match of the Day 2 saying his favourite Gerrard moment was the uh, goal he scored against West Ham in the cup final because when he was at Spurs, they played West Ham the week before and West Ham had won because Spurs had got food poisoning (laughs) and they celebrated like they'd won the league and so for the fact it broke West Ham's hearts, that was his favourite Stephen Gerrard moment. That was amazing. That was was like pure football fan schadenfreude. (laughs) Yeah, and the other one was... um, uh, this guy who tweeted something, I couldn't even know who he was, but it just made me laugh. Um, they interviewed one of Stephen Gerrard's daughters and they said, what do you think about your daddy as a footballer? And they said, well, he tries very hard. And then someone tweeted, well, that in his daughter in five words just encapsulates him in his whole career. Yeah, I saw that as well. <laughs> I, don't, I, I didn't mind it. But for me, what got me was my other half, Tom. He wouldn't even let me turn... He's not in any way a Liverpool fan, but he wouldn't even let me turn it over. He was getting really into it. And I'm sat there thinking, I just don't really give a shit. Like, he's leaving, and yeah, it's a bit sad, but life 
goes on for the rest of football and it was a bit of a circus and I felt and I think it was quite cringy and it was quite awkward a lot of the time like with his daughters and it was just all a bit much yeah I agree with you I've still got issues with Stephen Gerrard over the fact he nearly left us twice for Chelsea I was I was much happier with the the way Carragher left and it meant a lot more to me Jamie Carragher retiring than Stephen Gerrard leaving that's interesting. You sound like an AC Milan ultra talking about Paolo Maldini there. I'd take that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, the one thing that slightly confused me was the amount of ire from United fans towards Gerrard. I, I, you know, he, he doesn't like us and, the, you know, generally United fans, he's not, he's not a popular figure. But I just felt like, let him have his day. You know, he's, he's never won the league, bless him. He needs something. But he did win you the Champions League. Like, you know, it's not exactly that his career's been a failure, is it? No, exactly. Um, Is it because he turned you down when he was 12? (laughs) I don't think that's what it is. I think it's all the camera kissing that uh, (laughs) I scored. My favourite Steven Gerrard moment on a bit of a Jimmy and Gina's tip was when he kissed the camera after he made it two all at Old Trafford and then Berbatov finished off his hat-trick to win the game. (laughs) Yes. Um... Eric Cantona, do you want to talk about Eric Cantona? I always want to talk about Eric Cantona, you know that. I know. He's uh, suing New York Cosmos for a million dollars in unpaid wages uh, following his dismissal where he he punched a photographer in a London pub last year. Presumably he wasn't in the Alsace drinking. Um, And he was sacked and arrested. Uh, He wants $961,000. I'm just going to say, I don't think this is going to come as any surprise as you listen to our podcast i'm on eric Cantona's side in this one <laughs> uh teddy sheringham has become a manager yeah i like him too stevenage borough he's, he, they speak highly of him at west ham have you seen this when they move because it's stevenage league one or league two they are league two league two so you'll be against them next season yeah they lost to south end in the playoffs so yeah we'll see them next season yeah i like teddy sheringham He's quite nice, isn't he? Yeah. He, um, he seems like he would have the tools. Um, as a footballer, he's one of those sort of footballers that you can certainly imagine becoming a good coach and a good manager. If he's good at, if he's got the ability to teach, he's a very cerebral footballer, wasn't he? So mm. I always feel like that's a, that's got to set you in good stead to be a manager if you've got the interpersonal skills as well. Andy Cole waiting by the phone for. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Do you yeah. know what that goes back to? No. So Andy Cole and Teddy Sheringham still don't talk to each other, never talk to each other the whole time they played for United um, together because uh, basically Andy Cole, I think, came on as a sub for Teddy Sheringham or the other way round. And Andy Cole didn't like the way that Sheringham either didn't say good luck or didn't, you know, make any eye contact with him when the the substitution happened, uh, when they were both playing for England. And that's it. That's it. For really? 20 years plus of bitter rivalry, going back to that moment. Grown men, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Eric Cantona thing. You know, you hear like he punched a photographer and it does sound bad. But without wishing to necessarily just present myself as the Eric Cantona defence force, which I am prepared to do, but still... Um, the photographer was really out of line when you hear that story. And he just hassled him for ages and ages and ages and kind of like repeatedly asked him not to and ended up punching him. 
And, uh, you know, if you're going to hire Eric Cantona, you can't just sack him the first time he punches someone. You've got to give him a couple of goes. I was going to say this. I mean, this is Eric Cantona. I don't understand why him punching a photographer would be altogether that shocking. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think maybe the photographer did it on purpose to get punched and then get the pictures? Maybe so. Who would have thought something like that would happen? They were terrible pictures as well. It was just him having some a cup of coffee or something outside a bar. Oh, no. Who has coffee in a pub? No, he deserves to lose okay, that. Maybe, maybe it wasn't coffee. <laughs> uh, John Carver, he's uh, been to the David Brent School of Motivational Techniques. Have you heard this? What's he done? Uh, he, him and his staff, uh, well, basically him and Steve Stone, um, were talking to the players about Sunday's game against West Ham and they told the players, walk out if you don't fancy it. Assistant coach Steve Stone opened the door during a team meeting and boss John Carver told people to walk through it if they didn't fancy it. Did anyone walk through it? No, I'm hoping Mike Williamson tried to push him through or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, isn't it? Uh, just when he thought he can't alienate himself, alienate himself anymore. Uh, he's done anyway, isn't he? Whatever happens... I think so. I think so. Um, anybody see Luca Zidane? No. Son of Zinedine. Uh, he's a goalkeeper and was playing in an under-17s tournament against Belgium in a semi-final um, and it came to a penalty shootout. So he tried a Penenka. <laughs> <laughs> and guess Good. what happened? He scored? No. Oh. He hit the crossbar at which the opposing team's keeper pointed and laughed at him. Uh not to be outthwarted, though, Luca then goes in goal, saves the next penalty, and his team go through to the final. They're uh, pretty good at football, the Zidans. They're not bad, are they? Because I think both of them are in the books of uh, Real Madrid. Um, playoffs, Emma. Yeah. You went to the playoffs. Now, I, I want to talk. Let's want to mention a little bit because um, we've had a question this week because uh, I did a little. Ask us a question, and we got asked a question. Now, we got asked by Colin Render, at Colin underscore Render, who's going to win the Premier League darts final? I know nothing about darts. I know you went to the darts, and you also went to the playoff final, which, as a lady with a bump in her tummy, should you be going to things like this? Um, the darts was fine. Mm. It wasn't as interesting, especially when they came. my other half came back with this big two-pint cup. Oh, that was really... Um, that was just rubbing salt in the wounds. But the playoff final was a bit stressful. Well, it was very stressful. And I maybe should not have done that because it was in quite a lot of pain after. But I think that was just the emotions. It would have been worse listening to it at home. I can imagine. I, when my wife was pregnant with her first child, I nearly bought a um, a baby grow, which on the front said, my daddy said I'm going to be Jamie Carragher. I got threatened <laughs> with divorce if I, I bought that. <laughs> Yeah, my other half has um, completely kitted the baby out with everything that the Portsmouth shop have to offer in the range of baby clothes. Yeah. Emma's with child, if you haven't already guessed. Cool. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I used context clues to figure that out. Congratulations, Emma. Thank you. Um, yeah, a guy at work who's also a Bristol Rovers fan, he said he went and he hated every single moment of it. Um and it got to the point where he was in severe pain on his way back to Bristol because his body was just so tense throughout the whole game. It finally relaxed and he was in just agony. Yeah, 
I completely appreciate that. I think that's what I was doing. It was just... I mean, Grimsby scored after two minutes and it was just a bit shit from there on in. <laughs> You're not going to teach him words like this, are you? <laughs> um, watching Bristol Rovers in Portsmouth, I think it'll come quite used to that. Um <laughs> And then it was all a bit dodgy. I think potentially our goalkeeper should have been sent off. And then up the other end, potentially we should have had a penalty. And it was all just a bit mucky and a bit messy. Um, and then as soon as we equalised, it, both teams... It was just one of those cases where both teams were just too scared to lose. And you knew from about, from about the hour mark, you knew it was going to go all the way to penalties. Yeah. But I have a really good record with Bristol Rovers and penalties. So actually, it was more of a sigh of relief for me because I thought I've never seen them lose on penalties to anyone. So it keeps your record going? Yeah. Oh, excellent. How, um, do, you, how do you think they're going to do in the in the league next season? Do you think they're kitted out to stay in the division? Um. Yeah, I, think, I don't think they'll... It's all a bit difficult because they are at the moment going through a high court case with Sainsbury's because Sainsbury's were meant to be buying our ground. Um, And basically, if we win that, then everything's fine. If we lose, it's the financial responsibility of that court case, especially if Sainsbury's take it to a European court, that could really cripple the club. So at the moment, I'd say they need a few more players, you know, a couple... Uh, you know a few more but they should be fine to stay in the league but depending what happens over the summer with the court cases I think will be a massive turning point for the club interesting that's you see it's this this kind of non-football stuff really does get in the way of the football doesn't it yeah definitely um, other playoff stuff. We've got Southend Wickham this weekend, Preston Swindon, Preston nine times playoff losers. And on Monday, your friends, Emma Norwich, remember them? I don't have anything against Norwich. You did last season. You hated them. Yeah, last season. This season. Okay, this season's different. They're playing <laughs> Middlesbrough. Um, I'd quite like to see Karanka in the Premier League. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to work out which is a better away. They're both terrible aways. <laughs> <laughs> They're both like a transport nightmare. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't really mind either way. But, yeah, I quite like Karanka as well. And and I think um, Borough have been out of the top flight for longer. So give give them a go, eh? Yes, indeed. Um, Right. We... I just wonder whether we've got time to do a little bit of gossip, but I think we've probably pushed a little bit of the time. Uh, we'll talk about Raheem Sterling when we do the Liverpool game, shall we? <laughs> I won't be here then, though. <laughs> I won't be able to talk about Manchester United's hilarious uh, pretend interest in Raheem Sterling. We can do a little bit about that. In, no, uh, in I've, I've, I've got to go too. So. Hmm? I've got to go also. You've got to go? Not quite yet, but in uh, shortly. So I won't prolong your agony any longer with Raheem Sterling talk. <laughs> Um, okay, well, so we do the um, should we do the predictions then? Yes. And we'll do a little bit of that. Yeah, this is your crowning glory, Emma. Uh, only your own incompetence can stop you winning now. Uh, so, our Premier League predictions: what we do is we go through each of the forthcoming fixtures uh, and we predict whether it be a win, a loss, or a draw for a particular team. Um, and we also have our double points, uh, whereby we predict the actual score. 
for a particular team or particular fixture. Um, I am currently way behind on 130 correct predictions. Mark on 143. Emma is on 149. Um, we'll do our... Uh, well, Paul, you can you can chip in and help me and Emma if you want to. We'll... I'd, I'd, I'd be delighted to. Emma, I recommend that you pick exactly the same predictions as the person who's six points behind you or whatever. <laughs> that's, that's my offer of help. <laughs> uh, well, our um, double points fixture is Bayern Munich versus Mainz, because I can't, I, from what I remember, Bayern Munich have completely dropped through the floor since they um, won the Bundesliga. Mark's gone for a 2-0 Bayern Munich win. I think that's going to be 7 0 to Bayern. I think they're going to get <laughs> it, it back together. Last... Is it their last game of the season? I think so. He says without looking. Um, I will go 3 1 Bayern. 3 1 Bayern. Okay, I'm going to go 3 0 Bayern. Okay, right. Well, all the games start at the same time this weekend because it's the last one. Um, Arsenal versus West Brom. Mark has gone for Arsenal. My natural reaction is to go to Arsenal, but they haven't even scored in the last three games, have they, at home? No, they've um, they got, they've only got five goals in the last six games. They haven't done very well at all, have they? I think they're already sort of um, at Wembley, aren't they? Getting ready for their final. I think so. They were terrible uh, on Sunday at Old Trafford. They looked yeah, really lacklustre. Did they not want to put in a tackle and all that sort of thing? They just uh, looked really ropey in front of goal, basically. They just looked short confidence. Hmm. Well, I'm going to go for an Arsenal win anyway. I fine. think I'm going for a draw in that one. Ooh. Yeah, I'm leaning towards a draw, but I really don't want to lose. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to stick to my morals and I'm going to go for a draw. You're going for a draw. I'm going to do a little column for with a P in it for a Paul. So you're going to do a draw, are you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Aston Villa versus um, Burnley. Um, oh, there's an intriguing and exciting <laughs> clash with all to play for. <laughs> Yeah, the only thing with Aston Villa and Tim Sherwood managing them is it just keeps cutting away to the touchline all the while. It's a, it's a problem. It is. Mark it's has gone for Aston Come Kind of worth it for the Vines, just about. Mm, we're not big Tim Sherwood fans on this pod, are we? No. No, I mean, no one in their right <laughs> minds is, but it is worth it for the Vines. <laughs> yeah. I liked him when he had his long sort of wavy curtains when he was at Blackburn, but I don't like this new incarnation. Um, I think that that game is also going to be a draw because Villa really are not going to want to get any injuries whatsoever and Burnley have uh, obviously already down, aren't they? Uh, yes, they're in the cup final, aren't they? Uh, I'm going to go for a Burnley win. Tom Cleverley's doing all right there at the minute. He is, yeah. Good luck to him. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for a Villa win. You're going to go for a Villa win. That's what Mark's gone for as well. Uh, Chelsea versus Sunderland. Now, this game last season, um, this is at Stamford Bridge, Sunderland won, didn't they? They're not going to win this year. No. They've nope. only got a point, Chelsea, have since they won the league. I think they're probably going to do enough in this one because <laughs> Sunderland... Uh, just if Sunderland needed something, you could see it going differently. But 
with them with nothing to play for, I think uh, Chelsea will win that. Giving no Fabregas, of course. I'm, I, I don't want to go out on too much of a limb, but I think Chelsea might have enough for Sunderland without Cesc Fabregas. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Crystal Palace versus um, Swansea City. Palace in 12th, Swansea in 8th. Palace have got one win in five. Have a guess who that was against. <laughs> that was against Liverpool, Chris. It was. The it was absolute spoil sports. I knew that was going to happen. I bloody knew it. Manchester United legend Wolf Zaha. Well, this is Alan Pardew's revenge for that 9-0 all those years ago. Yes, absolutely. 25 years, revenge is a dish best served cold. Who are they playing this weekend? Palace, they're playing Swansea. Right. Uh, Mark has gone for a Swansea win, but is that Selhurst Park? I don't think Palace do all that well at home. It's a bit of a misnomer, I think, that Selhurst Park's a fortress. I'm going to go for a draw. Yeah. Oh. Swansea win. Swansea win. I think you might be right as well. I've got a feeling that Gary Monk just wants to get them as high up that table as possible. Yeah, I think they're going to be more motivated. They've got sort of got more at stake. I think so. You're right. Uh, Everton versus Spurs. Um, <laughs> David Jingler derby. You said Spurs and I started chuckling. They have fallen off a cliff in a barrel in this season, haven't they? They yeah, have. On an absolute... T- like... Since we beat them and their Champions League hopes ended, they've just been absolutely dreadful. I'm pretty... I would confidently back Everton to win this one. Would you? Yeah, absolutely. See, all we hear week in, week out, me and Emma, is Everton fan Mark just sounding like he um, he wants to end it all. <laughs> it's, got, it's got better, though, hasn't it? The, the, the end of the season has been a lot better than the first part of the season. Yeah, Although... they won't... Although the last couple of games have been a bit ropey, but... Yeah, they won three out of their last five, Everton have. So I'm going to go for them as well. And that Sunderland loss is genuinely one of the freakiest football matches I've ever seen. So they definitely should have won that one too. So yeah, Everton. A comfortable home win. Comfortable home win. What say you, Emma? Yeah, I'm going to go for Everton. You're going to go for Everton. Uh, Leicester City versus QPR. Somebody make a case for QPR and England's Charlie Austin. And England's Jamie Vardy. Has it really come to this? Oh, they, yeah. sh- they should stop football after everything's decided. It's like, how are you supposed to judge who's going to win this game? <laughs> Why would either of these teams care at all? I suppose QPR have got slightly more to pray for because they've got some shred of pride to salvage. Leicester no. certainly don't need to do that. But QPR don't do pride. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. A Leicester home win then. This has got Leicester written in capitals and neon lights written all over it. What do you reckon, Emma? Yeah, I think Leicester will win. Yeah, Mark's gone for Leicester as well. Stoke, Liverpool. Let's finish 5-3 last year to Liverpool. Um, Raheem Sterling, speaking of awards ceremonies, he got booed getting his young player of the award. I can't believe he had the balls to turn up, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's a, weird situation. it's a weird situation, isn't it? But... It is. Um, his agent is one A.D. Ward, who's also the agent for Sider Berahino. Um, Liverpool have cancelled a meeting after he said that they would turn down £900,000 a week. Uh, I thought Liverpool maybe should offer them that, just to see whether he would turn it down. <laughs> I thought that was the first thing I thought. It would like, <laughs> be really funny if they offered him nine hundred grand a week. What would he do? 
Yeah. Uh, they say, well, if Doctor's signing a contract, there's no point in having a meeting. It also called Jamie Carragher a knob, which is unforgivable. It's outrageous. I'm a Man United fan, and I think that Jamie Carragher is wonderful. So, you know. Jamie Carragher is one of the greatest things that God's created. Ah, uh, maybe we wouldn't go that far. You've got the Himalayas, you've got um, <laughs> the universe, and you've got Jamie Carragher. Um, I think that Stoke will win this game. Stoke. Okie dokie. Um, I think you're probably right as well, Emma. Yeah, I agree. You think Stoke as well. Anything, anybody want to say anything about Sterling? You bid for him, didn't you, Paul? Well, not you. Um, <laughs> I, 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 as your own manservant. I, um, I, I would not do that. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it's are a funny club when it comes to buying players. I can see the logic. Um you know, he's young, he's homegrown player and all that. That's got some advantage to it. Um, but it's going to come with an awful lot of baggage. And the best of Sterling is phenomenal, but he's very young and we don't know how much of the best of him there is ahead. And he'll be extremely expensive. And I wonder if it would be perhaps slightly more disruption than it's worth. But, you know, if it happens, it'd be at the very least hilarious. Do you remember 10 years ago when you refused to sell as your left-back? Yeah, well, rightly so. So why would we sell you our star forward? <laughs> different, isn't it? You're selling <laughs> players to us. That's the difference. Uh, different times. Different the right way round, you see. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you've got a goalkeeper leaving at the uh, end of the season, so I'll happily drive Mingale over to you myself. La, 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 I'm not listening. <laughs> uh, Manchester City, um, speaking of teams that throw money at situations, um, that could be you this year, couldn't it? For years, you've been going, Manchester United do it the right way, and then you went and spent £150 million last year. Yeah, you're going to have real difficulties trolling through the archives of everything I've ever said publicly to find <laughs> saying that Manchester United do anything the right way. <laughs> uh, I've, um, I've been screaming about our ridiculous underinvestment where we spend all our money on debt repayments and slip away from the elite position in European football that we previously held. So this is good, this is it, all this money bags. I mean, it's... It, what 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 would you rather they did with their revenues? <laughs> you want to see, see the money on the pitch, not in the bank? Yeah, I mean, sure, if they want to <laughs> start running for the benefit of the community, I'll be all for it, but... Uh, <laughs> If they're not going to, then at least buy Angel Di Maria. Have any of your signings worked out apart from Herrera, do you think? Oh, <laughs> ruined it by saying apart from Herrera. Yeah. <laughs> I was say, have any of our signings worked out? So I'm the greatest man in the history of football. You say Jamie Carragher is up there with the Himalayas <laughs> and uh, the universe. And the Herrera is beauty and truth personified. Well, apart from him, then, have any of your signings last summer worked out? Yeah, I mean, Rocco's had a few injuries, but he's been very good when he's played. Blint's a pretty functional and useful utility player. And the assists and goals that Angel Di Maria have provided um, have led to directly to United getting 13 points. That's based on goals and assists he's got in games where we won by one goal or uh, drew. Now, what um, part of your daily Blint comment is based on him being a good player and what part of the fact that you're madly in love with him? I'm not madly in love with him. He's just got nice hair. I feel like that's a reason. And cheekbones. Those are I'm both. I'm in love with him. Sorry? I'm a bit in love with him. He's... Are you? Yeah. Yeah, he's nice to watch run around. <laughs> Run's a strong word. He's quite <laughs> slow. <laughs> um, Hatefully jog. 
I wrote an article for Bleach Report today about how I think Angel Di Maria is going to come good next season. Yeah. If you look at Di Maria's history, there's an awful lot of uh, him having difficult times and then coming through them and being brilliant. So I just hope this is one of those. Uh, the one that's really upsetting, of course, is Falcao. Never, ever been more excited and happy about a signing since Eric Cantona. Um, and it's just been really, really sad to see him lolloping about the place, unable to run or trap a football. Yeah, you kind of wash it with your hands over your eyes. Angel Di Maria, you were never seen the same room as uh, Jaguar Paul from Apocalypto, if you've ever seen that film. I have never seen that film. No? no. He's the I'll hero look, of the story. So I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, it's Mel, Mel Gibson just going completely bonkers. Really. I, I think one of the reasons you'll never see him in the same room together is because I believe Apocalypto was set in a long, <laughs> a long time ago. Yes. <laughs> Um, Man City Saints then uh, Who are we going for in this? Southampton Really? Yeah after they won 6-1 And also because City are bad And baddies <laughs> I'll go for Man City you go for Man City Mark went for Man City you going for Southampton Paul? Yeah I mean I've got nothing at stake Alright <laughs> oh, right, fine okay. <laughs> So really I shouldn't be listening to you. I seriously considered Southampton If you said it I, I mean I genuinely don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility. I think City have got second locked up um, and Southampton are still kind of trying to make sure they get into the Europa League, apparently. And they certainly don't look like they're letting anything slip. And City have been, you know, eminently beatable all season. So uh, I think if, if basically if Southampton show up and City don't, then City will definitely struggle. Um, but of course, if they're at it and on form then they'll have too much for Southampton it's just whether that's likely to happen and I think that's relatively unlikely to happen well, probably be... Pellegrini's last game you'd imagine could be couldn't it uh, yeah I'm going to go for Manchester City I think on that one I was going to say something about Pellegrini but I think um, I think that's just completely up in the air isn't it I think they've got this they're holding on for Guardiola next season aren't they or season after next yeah it might backfire though it might backfire if they do that Yes. Yeah. Um, Hull versus Manchester United. I've got a sneaky feeling for Hull. I really have. Not based on sentiment for what Bruce has been saying, but I just got a feeling that uh, it's at the KC, isn't it? Yeah. I got a feeling they're going to do it, and so is Mark because he's gone for Hull as well. Yeah, I'm going to go for Hull. Are you? Go on, yes. in, Paul. Uh, yeah, I think Hull will win. <laughs> I, I, I think I genuinely think. United uh, will be probably not particularly at the races. Not that they've exactly been at the races uh, in the last few weeks. Um, yeah, I think I think they've they've settled in and getting ready for a nice summer holiday now. And Hull are desperate for it. I think I think there's every chance. Uh, De Gea might accidentally end up making it a nil nil draw by just being <laughs> out of this world brilliant, but he might still be injured. In which case, yeah, Hull will definitely win. And why have you, is that why you've gone for Hull as well, is it, Emma? Yeah, I just think that I think they'll, like we said about Sunderland, I think when it comes to it, they'll produce something, hopefully. Yes. And then the last game of the last team of the season, Newcastle versus West Ham United. Uh, So it's really, isn't it? A whole lot of two points behind um, Newcastle. I think Holler on 34 points in 18th, Newcastle on. 
36 points, aren't they, in 17th. Um, and it's basically a shootout between the two of them. I honestly think that Sam Allardyce, in probably his last game for West Ham, is really going to want to stick it to his ex-employers. But will his players care? Um, What did you say? No. No, you don't think they will? No. Why? I just... I haven't... When was the last time they did care? Mm. Mm. I think that's, that's, that's absolutely spot on. They, they got safe and stopped, didn't they, West Ham? Yeah, definitely. Um, Mark's gone for a West Ham win. I'm going to go for a draw. I think Newcastle are going to win. I think Hull will win and Newcastle will win. So it will be kind of devastating scenes uh, in at the KC. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go for West Ham. I don't know why. I think I've got a stinky feeling Hull are going to do it. And then Phil Brown will come on and sing a song. <laughs> Brucey, Brucey could definitely fulfil that role. Oh, have you seen Steve Bruce at weddings on Twitter? Yes. There you go. There's a man that can sing a song. Uh, right, that brings us to the end of our predictions, and it also brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Uh, thank you ever so much for turning up, guys. Um, thank you, Emma. Thank you, Paul. Um, if they want to follow you guys on Twitter, how do they follow you on uh, Twitter then, Emma? Uh, at MWebs. At MWebs. Paul, if they want to follow you or the United Rantcast, how do they follow you? Uh, it's me. It's just me. It's uh, at UTD Rantcast. Um, and uh, you can read my stuff on Bleacher Report or you Max It or Republic of Mancunia or listen to our podcast if you like Manchester United. And if you don't like Manchester United, don't listen to our podcast unless you're Chris. <laughs> the, best, the best way of describing your podcast is basically two Manchester United fans as good cop, bad cop. <laughs> I'd say that is a reasonably accurate broad brush strokes of our two positions on life in general, yes. Or Gollum when he talked to himself. You know, he was trying to be good Gollum and bad Gollum. I'm not talking to myself. I'm not just putting on a... Like, Ed isn't just my evil <laughs> alter ego. I put on a voice and say, Oh, Scousers are terrible. <laughs> that would be good. I would not like that. <laughs> That'd be a good episode. Just if he rings in sick one week, you should do that. <laughs> pretend, pretend to be him. Put his voice on and see if anybody notices. I think you just heard my... Attempts to do an impression <laughs> wouldn't last long, but yeah, the, uh, you can find us on iTunes. Just search United Rant or any other podcasting software, or go to unitedrant.co.uk uh, and read a bunch of stuff there. Okay, do you ever look for writers on there? Uh, yeah, for sure. Contact uh, editor at unitedrant.co.uk if you uh, are prepared to uh, put in a ton of work for no money and write to a really high standard because Ed is like uh, really into quality control. Uh, but yeah, if you're if you're up for putting some really good content out, that'd be uh, that'd be much appreciated, I'm sure. Excellent. So we know where to come for that one. Um, Manofthepost.com is the website. Again, we're always looking for writers as well. A uh, great article this week um, with regards to uh, Middlesbrough and their fortunes as they begin to return or hopefully return to the Premier League. At Man on the Post is the Twitter page. Uh, there's no Sunday show this week, uh, unfortunately. We're hopefully, we'll be doing a show a week on Sunday or a week on Monday. Uh, so we're going to be reviewing the football um, league so far, or, or the sort of Premier League, best players, worst players, best buys, best haircuts, all that sort of shenanigans. Uh, if you like what you hear, you can always review us on iTunes as well. Every review is greatly received, and we may still have some fridge magnets left if you contact Colin and ask him as well. 
Uh, so thank you ever so much, guys. Thank you, Chris. And always thank remember... You. There you go. And always remember to keep your man on the post.